1: Now, notice what the scribes did. They took the Ten Commandments and uh, other regulations of God and they codified them. They made thousands of rules and regulations. Notice what Jesus did. He took the Ten Commandments and God's regulations and he simplified.
0: Why would a God who created us and wants us to spend eternity with him make the process difficult? Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse. You just heard Pastor Layton Sheely. He is our teacher. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. This is an outreach of the church supported in part by you in the listening audience. And you can find out how you can do that when you go to the website highlands.us. Let's join Pastor Layton now as he continues this message in our series in the book of John. And he's in chapter 3.
1: When he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he says, love God, love your neighbor. If you keep these two, which are one, you've kept all of the law and all of the prophets. So they codified things. Jesus simplified things. They had a religion based on rules. Jesus had a belief system based on relationship. Remember, Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. The word love describes a relationship. Now, they didn't have changed hearts, and so they replaced religion with behavior modification and ritual. It was a false spirituality. And Jesus uh, scathingly pointed to them, saying, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law. What are the weightier provisions of the law? Jesus tells us, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. And so there was this ever-widening gap between what they taught and what they did, which led to hypocrisy. Now, the word hypocrite, by the way, is from the Greek word that describes an actor. An actor on Greek theater was a hypocrite. That is, somebody who would act like somebody they were not. Uh, In other words, they would lie. (laughs) Now, even if they could have kept the law, it would have never have saved them. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Romans chapter 3. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, a lot of preachers spend an awful lot of time talking about the fact that he came by night. And there's probably some reasons that Nicodemus did. It could have been that he was exercising some caution, Jesus was new on the scene. They hadn't figured out who he was, where he was coming from, and so forth. So there might have been a a tendency to want to be uh, not seen with him until they could figure that part out. Um, There is also a saying amongst the rabbis that it's better to study at night when things are quiet and settled down. It also may have been that both he and Jesus were so busy during the holidays, uh, during the day, surrounded by crowds, that the only opportunity that he would have to have a A personal interview with Jesus was coming to him by night. The important thing is not when Nicodemus came, but that he came. That's really the important thing. Now, there's nothing in this passage that suggests that Nicodemus was converted this evening, that he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. However, it's obvious that this evening's conversation with Jesus had a profound impact on him. In fact, in chapter 7, he defended Jesus before the Sanhedrin. And in chapter 19, he helped Joseph of Arimathea prepare Jesus' body for burial. And these were actions that would indicate the presence of a genuine faith in his life. So sometime between this conversation that that Nicodemus had with Jesus and Jesus' crucifixion, Nicodemus came to understand that Jesus Christ was God incarnate in the flesh and received Jesus Christ as his own personal Lord and Savior. But notice on this night that he addresses Jesus as rabbi or teacher. Now, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was an eminent teacher. And by addressing Jesus as rabbi, he was addressing Jesus as an equal. He evidently didn't share quite the level of suspicion and hostility that some of the other religious leaders had towards Jesus. But you'll notice that he regards Jesus as only a teacher. He has no perception yet that Jesus is God in the flesh. He has simply come as one teacher to another to discuss matters of mutual interest. And he said, No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Like the people in the previous section, he was impressed with Jesus' ability to do miracles. Jesus answered him, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus wasn't interested in discussing the miracles. He wanted to deal straight with the real issue, which was the necessary transformation of Nicodemus' heart by being reborn or the new birth. Now, the phrase, amin, amin, or truly, truly, appears here in this fourth gospel, and it is used by the author to affirm that the significance of whatever is going to follow those words, truly, truly. Um, The importance of the truth that no one is going to enter God's kingdom unless born again is something that the author wanted to emphatically communicate with us. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, recall here that Nicodemus is used to a religion based on human efforts following rules, and those kinds of things. And so he's, he's thinking in terms of human effort here. How can I be born again? Um, and, and, and the word that Jesus used for again or anew in some translations um, ca- could have contributed to the misunderstanding because that word, anothen, has three different meanings. It can mean from the beginning. It can mean again, as for the second time, And it can mean from above or from God. Now, there's no single English word that encapsulates all of these meanings, but all of these meanings are encapsulated in the Greek word that Jesus used that is translated born again. Now, the concept of born again was not new to people in the time of Jesus. Uh, The Jewish people were very familiar with the concept In fact, when a person from another faith chose to become Jewish uh, and was accepted into Judaism by prayer, sacrifice, and baptism, he was regarded as being reborn. As the rabbis had a saying, a proselyte who embraces Judaism is like a newborn child. In fact, so radical was the change that any sins they'd committed before reception were all done away with because it was as though he was a completely new and different person. The Greeks and the Romans... Also, we're familiar with the concept as well. The most popular religions in the Roman Empire at that time were all based on the mystery religions of Babylon. And the mystery religions of Babylon were founded on the story of a God suffering, dying, and rising again. Furthermore, the idea of being reborn is not unique to the fourth gospel. For instance, in the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew, we find these words in chapter 18. Unless you turn and become like little children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The concept of rebirth, or being reborn, or born anew, is woven throughout the New Testament. Peter speaks of being born anew by God's great mercy in First Peter one three, of being born anew not of perishable seed but of the imperishable in First Peter chapter one. James speaks of God bringing us forth by the word of truth, James chapter one verse eighteen. The letter to Titus speaks of the washing of regeneration in three five. And sometimes this same idea is spoken of as death followed by resurrection. So Paul speaks of the Christian as dying with Christ and then rising to life anew in Romans chapter 6. He speaks of those who have lately come into the Christian faith as being babes in Christ, 1 Corinthians 3. And if any man is in Christ, it's as if he has been created all over again in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5. So all throughout the New Testament is woven this theme of the rebirth of the new creation, of being recreated. So to be born again or born anew is to undergo such a radical change that it's described as being a new birth. It's to have something happen to the soul that is so incredible that it's like having a brand new beginning, being an entirely different person. And the whole process is not a human achievement or by based on human efforts, but rather it comes from the grace and the power of God. Now think about the impact of those words on Nicodemus. It must have been absolutely staggering for him. This is a man who had spent all of his life observing every nuance of the law, all of the rituals of Judaism. He's one of the ultra-religious Pharisees. He was even a leader, a member of the Sanhedrin. Now Jesus was calling him to forsake all of that and start all over again, to abandon all of his efforts at self-righteous works in which he had placed his hope and to realize that any human effort was powerless to save. Jesus was telling him that entrance to God's salvation was not a matter of human effort. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now let's start with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven because kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably in the New Testament. They mean the same thing. But what does that mean? Well, it is characteristic of Jewish style to say things twice. And the second way is a way of explaining and amplifying the first. The best definition that we have of the kingdom of God is found in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever wondered how... God's will is done in heaven. Instantly and perfectly, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the definition of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is where God's will is as perfectly done on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Well, there is more to this message, and we'll have to wait until Monday to hear that. This is Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. If you're looking for a church home, I encourage you to check out Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. The website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Services are still online only. But things do change, so check it all out on the website as often as you can. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed weekend, and come back on Monday at this same time when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of John and study verse by verse. This program is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.